Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and friends beyond the binary, trees and multiforms, it's time for a return to to who? Who or whom are we returning to or who or whom is talking? Well, I could tell you that I don't know the difference between my who or my whom, but I can tell you that one of my favorite doctors, D- David T., is uh, coming up tonight. I'm going to be talking about an episode of, well, anyway, I'll be meandering. It'll take me forever to get there. It'll feel like I never got started. Because I'm really here to take your mind off stuff and keep you company as you drift off to sleep. Who I am, and that's uh, that's who I am. Oh, who I am I is a good, good question. And if you're thinking about that stuff, that's one of the things I'm here to take your mind off of because it's time for Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep. Uh, hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, uh, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep? Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep. We do it with a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play to do the rest, what I'm going to attempt to do is create a safe place where you could set aside whatever's keeping you awake, whether it's uh, thoughts, you know, you're thinking about thoughts on your mind, or, you know, I guess it could be other thoughts. So whatever you're thinking about, thoughts, feelings, physical sensations, changes in time or temperature, you you know, like uh, whatever's going on, you know, second, third shift, you could be on call. You know, stuff could be just, you know, stuff, holy stuff, S-T-U-F-F. I'd like to read it in reverse. Uh, When I think about some of the stuff that keeps me up at night, I'd spell stuff backwards, but I drop one of the Fs, uh, and then whatever comes after the U, like the T and the S, too, yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, you don't need to talk, but, but just sometimes, but I'm here. I already got lost. What am I going to do? What am I, what am I doing? Oh, I was seeing the stuff that keeps us up and up and night. uh, yeah, I was kind of, no, no, I'm not really, I'm, I'm just being facetious. I know you're, you, it's not your fault. You're keeping me up at night. Uh, it's, it's just a thing. Uh, but so yeah, I'm here to do, try to do it with kindness, a little bit of silliness. So what I'm going to do is I got this uh, safe place uh, carved out, set aside. It's palatial. I've never, I don't know if I've used the word palatial on this podcast before. Makes me think of the palatial podcast I haven't started. The podcast about palatial places uh, and things palatial and things interesting to palatialists. Uh, the palatial, palatial notes, the podcast about palatial things. Yeah, people, palatial, what about palatial people? Are those people that live in palaces or palatial-like, build palatial-like places? Are all palaces palatial? No. Are all palatial places palaces? No. Don't put the P in the palace, though, I mean, unless you're in the right room, okay? But please, uh... But what was I talking about? Oh, I'm going to create this safe place. I got to set aside. Maybe we'll go back to, I love, I love saying palatial. It's like palladium, which I think is like a new like thing. Uh, not like, well, anyway, okay. So, or velodrome. I don't know why. So velodrome just popped in my head too. So I'm going to create a safe place. I'm going to send my voice across the deep, dark night. I'm going to use lulling, soothing, creaky, dulcet tones, pointless meanders, superfluous tangents, uh, 
I'm going to go off a topic and uh, like, like do those extra words, mumbles. You saw one of those tangents, pointless meanders, superfluous tangents, all in an effort to keep you company while you drift off. If you're new, uh, a couple of things you might want to know right up front. One, this is a podcast to keep you company as you drift off, I, I tend to, uh, like, uh, like, uh, oh, I think I said that I'm extra mixed up today, which is a good thing in this podcast. But so if you're new, here's a couple of things to know. One, this podcast doesn't work for everybody. So, uh, kind of just see how it goes. It doesn't necessarily have to work for like, uh, just kind of look at it loosely. Like if you were studying a cloud, or if someone was listening, like, here's the thing, like, if you have more than one palace or palatial, if you have a palatial estate um, and you start talking about it, like, I'm probably going to start to tune you out. I mean, maybe, maybe, like, and that's just for my own, since I don't have a palatial estate, you say, well, yeah, then we have the, mar- you know, the, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the, the, gra- you know, the, the picnic area. Then we have the picnic zone. Then we have the water play area. Then the water park. And I say, sorry, you, you have a water park at your palatial estate? Well, it wouldn't be palatial, would it? You know. Then we have uh, the water gardens, which are really nice. So at some point, I would probably tune you out. Or, you know, you'd see steam coming out my ears. And I would be green with envy. I'd probably be red with envy, not green with envy. Uh, but so this podcast is very similar to that. Like, uh, for some people, there is steam coming out their ears. Uh, sorry about that. It's just not for everybody, but for a lot of people, you could just start to tune me out. That's what the regular listeners do. You, you if you're new, you you might be paying attention. You say, what is up with all these people that listen to this show? Cause he doesn't talk about anything or get to any points. And the regular listeners would giggle along with that. And they'd say, yep, yeah, he doesn't. Uh, that's why we love old scoots. So that's, um, oh, so don't pay attention to the show. Barely listen to it. Uh, but I will say that most listeners say it takes two or three tries to get used to the show. So give it two or three tries and just kind of see how it goes and then see, okay, well, this kind of barely worked for me. So that's one thing to know. The next thing to know, uh, well, so consume the podcast loosely. The other thing is there's a lot of podcasts to put people to sleep out there or other sleep solutions and stuff like this. This is the only podcast that's kind of here while you fall asleep. I'm here to keep you company uh, as you drift off. I'm your boar friend, your boar bay, your boar cuz, your boar sib, your boar bestie, whatever you want to call it. And I'm just here to be at your bedside it, like uh, well, you know, while you fall asleep. Uh, that's it. Uh, tell you take your mind off of stuff. Uh, so this that's two thing two, two things uh, to know. Uh, the other thing that can throw new listeners off is the structure of the show. The show is very different, and uh, it, that can mix people up. So let me tell you about the structure of the show. The show starts off with a few minutes of business. Uh, that's how we keep it. The, oh, it starts off with a greeting. Uh, then we do the business. That's how we're able to bring the podcast for free twice a week. Then there's an intro, and the intro also can throw people off because it's me talking for about 12 to 20 minutes about what the podcast is. So I'm kind of, uh, I say, well, like, uh, oh, I I try to get to the point and explain what the podcast is, and then I go off on tangents or get mixed up. 
And I wish that was totally 100% on purpose. I, I do say that sometimes. Totally intentional. Every meander is a well-planned meander, but that is just not the truth. Like sometimes, you know, you just got you, you got to do a little bumbling, uh, some natural bumbling. So that's so. What was my point? Oh, so the intro is that's one of the reasons why the intro is long. But the main reason the intro is like twelve to twenty minutes long. When you'd say most intro scoots are like two or three minutes, you tell us what you're going to tell us, say something, then tell us what you're going to tell us again. I'd say, well, I tried to do that, but the whole idea of the intro. So there's a few ways to consume this show once you become a regular listener. At first, just kind of consume it, you know, first it probably skeptically or doubtfully. And then after that, you say, well, I'm not so sure about this. And they say, oh, I'm not so sure about this. So I don't have to listen. But as you become a regular listener, there's 2% of listeners that start to show at around 20 minutes. And they just listen to whatever starts at 20 minutes. It might be the end of the intro. might be some business. might be this where we talk about tonight. We're talking about an episode of Doctor Who or a holiday special. So... You could you could see after you become a regular listener, oh, that's what works best for me. But most listeners, they listen to the intro as part of their wind down. And some of them start it before they get into bed. Some of them start it as part of their bedtime routine, whether they're journaling or knitting or cross-stitching or doodling or petting pets or brushing their hair. You know, whatever the stretching, you know, just sitting and staring. That's one of my hobbies. Uh, you know, out the window or at a wall or at the ceiling. I do really like, like, and this is something I just got back into. You say, Scooch, what do you, what else do you do for fun? And I'd forgotten this one. I do like to look at my, like, look at things from upside, like in the, like upside down. I like to like, uh, get into a position where I can look at and pretend that the ceiling's the floor. And if you haven't done that in a while, I highly suggest it. I mean, make sure you do it, you know, in a, in a safe and comfortable way. But talk about it. I say, how did I forget how, you know, then you pretend you're walking. You imagine you're walking around your apartment and it's upside down. I love doing that. So those are all reasons the intro is around 12 to 20 minutes to kind of give you time to unwind and ease into bedtime. Uh, so that then then there'll be some business. Then I'll talk about an, an episode of Doctor Who from Series 3, the second series with David Tennant. Uh, this one will be the how like the special before the season started, and if you've never seen Doctor Who or you have strong feelings about it, uh, don't worry. This will be very meandering. Everything will be uh, told in a bedtime story way. So I'll take plenty of long turns around anything that you say. Well, I'm not so sure about that because when I was a kid, I wasn't so sure about the the original Doctor Who series. I'd say, oh boy. But now I've grown to love it and the performances. So we'll have some fun. So we'll talk about that for about 40, 45 minutes. And there's some thank yous at the end of the show. So that's the structure of the show. And the kind of two uh, pieces of like code you could follow. Don't really need to listen to me or just barely listen. Don't take me seriously. And uh, don't no pressure to fall asleep. The reason the shows are about an hour is I want to give you plenty of time to drift off. So I'm here to keep you company as you drift off instead of putting you to sleep. But then if you can't sleep, I'm here. Or if you need a break during the day, I'm here. Or if you wake up uh, 
as I have been doing. You say, well, there's here's some scoots. I can just put on scoots and it'll take my mind off of stuff. So that's all the stuff around the structure of the show. The reason I make the show is because I've been there. I know how it feels in the deep, dark night. I know how it feels. Uh, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep. Uh, so I've, I, like, I know how it feels, and I, it's not great. And So that's one part of it. But I also uh, truly believe you deserve a good night's sleep, and you deserve a safe place to respite. So that's why I make the show, because your world and our world would be a better place if you're rested. So that's really it. I, like, uh, I'm really glad you're here. I really appreciate you coming by and checking the show out. I work very hard. I yearn and I strive because I want to help you fall asleep. Uh, and here's a couple of ways I'm able to bring the show, bring you the show for free twice a week. Thanks for coming by. All right, everybody. Scoots, we're talking about a Doctor Who. We're doing the holiday special, The Runaway Bride. Which I believe precedes, well, I know it precedes uh, season series three, the second David Tennant season. And it opens with a wedding and a lot of shots from the wedding the organ, the bride, the groom, the guests, even one sneering guest, uh, the wedding music. Here comes the bride, or I don't know what song it is. Uh, there's candles, there's lanterns, there's greenery. Oh boy ribbons uh and then the bride turns to gold dust it ends up it's gold space dust uh and she in her in her space dust form goes into outer space and straight into the tardis uh and we get some comedy uh because she shows up in the tardis and the doctor says what like what right now i just rewound it to see she's turning to stardust uh her mom and the groom are gasping. She flies off, uh, off of Earth, uh, probably a fat, probably light speed, I guess, if she's stardust. Uh, into the TARDIS, doctor looks up, what? She says, who are you? Uh, what? Who are you? What? Where am I? What in the heck is this place? And the doctor says, what? Then we get a short open, I think, uh, uh yeah what what open bride uh bride something yeah we see david tennant uh catherine tate and uh doctor who uh so i don't think anything else uh, for the intro the tardis flies in runaway bride by russell t davies and we're still going through the opening I'm watching this on BBC America that I recorded it. She says, where am I? The doctor says, TARDIS. Uh, she says, what, TARDIS? What, TARDIS? Uh, you ready? And she says, that's not a proper word, which actually it is. It's capital T-A-R-D, proper noun. Uh, yes, it is. She also calls him Dumbo. Uh, like... Uh, she goes, I was halfway up to Isle waiting to get married, seconds away, and then you, you, how'd you get me here? Also, there's marble. This is the first time I saw marble on the TARDIS. Now, I may have missed that before. Doctor's trying to calculate and fix how even she got there. She goes to leave the TARDIS, uh, sees space. He says, yeah, that's outer space. Uh, you're in space, outer space, or something like that. Uh, this is my spaceship, I guess. Uh, and she goes, who are you? He says, I'm the doctor. Who are you? And she says, Donna. 
uh, and he goes, are you human? Uh, she goes, yeah, of course I'm human. What are you, what? she goes, is that optional? He goes, well, I'm not, yeah, it is for me. She goes, by the way, space is kind of closed with cold with the doors open. So they close it. Then the doctor does fast uh, calculating talk. Uh, you know, he's trying to figure out everything, trying to figure out who she is, why she's there. Uh, but she goes, you know what? I need to get back to the church. I think it's in Chiswick, but I'm not sure about that. Get me to the church. Uh, he goes, yeah, why, well, you're not supposed to be here anyway. St. Mary's Hayden Road, Chiswick, uh, Chiswick, Chiswick, uh, Earth, the solar system. Uh, then she finds Rose's shirt. He goes, that's my friend. She's gone. She goes, what do you mean gone? He goes, I lost her. Uh, you know, and then we get a little touch of, uh, you know, back to the last season. And she goes, hurry up and lose me back to my wedding. But the, do- the doctor's got a scowl, you know, in uh, a frown. And he goes, right, uh, Chis- Chiswick, uh, Chiswick, uh, St. Mary's, recalibrating. Uh, there's also something on the wall. They're one of the ribs of the TARDIS. Uh, they land. She goes out, uh, looks around. She says, St. She goes, St. Mary's. She goes, what Martian are you? He goes, there's something up with the TARDIS. I got to, oh, this is when he recalibrates. She goes, something, she's digesting something. I don't get it. And he goes, have you eaten something strange, Donna? She tries to look around the TARDIS, which blows her mind, of course. Uh, uh, that box uh, comes back to the TARDIS. Uh, she goes, oh, the, did you, she goes, that box is weird, man. He goes, because he goes, is there something... He goes, are you sure you're, you know, you're getting married to a human? Uh, not a slit, whatever those were, slitherines or whatever. Then she says, I just want to get married. Uh, uh, she goes out to, to the, um, oh, she also talks about pockets because uh, they go, he says, come back. She goes, the TARDIS is too weird. No way. Any phone? She goes, no, I'm in a wedding dress. No pockets. Have you seen a bride with pockets? The doctor doesn't have an answer for that. She goes, I forgot to ask the one wedding dress with uh, pockets. She goes, let's get moving. He goes, I'm not from Mars, by the way. They get in the cab. It's double rates in the cab because she says, I'm in a hurry. I don't know what double rates said today. She goes, you got any cash, doctor? He goes, no, don't you? She goes, uh, pockets. Uh, he goes, okay. So then the, she yells at the cab driver, double for his mother. We see some uh, Boxing Day signs outside of James Howell and company. Uh, the doctor hacks a payphone so she could call her mom, but she has to leave a message. The doctor hacks an ATM uh, like uh, so that she can get in a cab. She borrows a tenor from somebody without the doctor, like while the doctor's trying to get money. We see three Santas in a band playing tidings of comfort and joy and some snow person inflatables in the background. Uh, but those snow people are not in the business of giving tidings of comfort and joy. They're clearly trouble, so the doctor throws a cash party. Uh, but she gets in a cab, Donna. Uh, but a Santa's running the cab, uh, and it's a Santa to say, time for the, straight to the North Pole, this cab's going. 
So it's action TARDIS time, and this is a cool scene. I was trying to imagine myself watching this as a holiday special as a kid and thinking this would be really fun. And the doctor has her on a map. It's a Santa bot uh, or robo form. Then we get another open tag. Uh, then, you know, the ad. Then we see Donna in the Santa robo form cab. And the TARDIS is flying after her in pursuit with hero music. And there's kids in a the car. They see it. They love it. Uh, the doctor uses some twine to control the TARDIS while he tries to, you know, help Donna. She, she doesn't want to go to the North Pole. She wants to go to her wedding. And he, he kind of works out a method. Then we get some James Bond music. Uh, this is when it's revealed that Santa's a robo form. And uh, he said, uh, like he says, if the Santa's a robo form, there's no way that... Uh, it's going to take you to a wedding. It's got to be going straight to the North Pole. So Donna says, uh, well, uh, but I'm going to my wedding. Uh, so he's, then uh, she, so she won't go with the doctor, though, either. Doctor has to use his twine to speed up the TARDIS. He goes bouncing on some cars, more Bond music. He tries to cancel the robot. That doesn't work uh, that well. She said, Donna says, no jumping on the motorway. The doctor says, come on. The kid's in another car cheering, jump, jump, jump. And he says, you got to trust me. And then she does. And there's victory music. And the TARDIS is out. Uh, uh, then we see a watch. Is that right? And some steam. Let me see what we have here. You see, you know, the doctor's trying to warn her off. Say, come on, let's get going. They jump back in the TARDIS. Everybody's kids are happy. So that was a cute moment, of course. Uh, and a good moment for Donna, you know, to say, well, I did it. Uh, the kids, wow, they're really happy. And they, one of the kids has a Santa doll. TARDIS is out uh, flying high in the sky. Yeah, oh, she looks at her watch. because uh, Oh, and then it's, they're on a roof. Smoke's coming out of the... Um, TARDIS, uh, the doctor says, a funny thing for a spaceship, the TARDIS doesn't do much flying, or she. They're looking out over London. She says, I wish you had a time machine so I could go back and be at my wedding. Because, yeah, we can't do, TARDIS can't do that. Even if it could, it would mess up the timelines. Uh, he says that apparently it does that uh, his own error. I can't remember from last season. The doctor's very thoughtful. He gives Donna his jacket. Uh, she gives him some burn, you know. Uh, uh, he gives her a wedding ring, which is a bio damper. He goes, I hear the their bio, I the, do the bio damp, which was funny. Uh, it keeps her hidden. With this ring, I the bio damp, he says. Uh, and then he talks about last Christmas, uh, like he didn't give anything away the very next day. He said, last Christmas, you know, I had to deal with some other thing. He goes, yeah, I dealt with these, ro like a different kind of Santa, robo form. Uh, he goes, you don't remember that great big spaceship last year over London? She goes, I don't know what you're talking about. I was hung over and I had to sleep in. He goes, okay, well, he goes, yeah, just over there in the Powell estate. Uh, and he says, anyway, my friend, and now he was okay, I got to change the uh, subject here. 
friends. So he has some memories. He's a little down. She says she notices. Uh, she changes the subject. Uh, or no, he does. She says, who was he? He goes, anyway, what is, why do you think those RoboForms want you? Uh, there's nothing special or powerful about you. And he tries to scan her with the um, sonic screwdriver. She goes, stop bleeping me. Then we get a flashback of Donna's and Lance's love story at H.C. Clemens, where they both work. He's in HR. Uh, they do ID, ID cars, keys, locks. Uh, she, she started there. There's some interesting signs about locks and her desk and Lance getting her coffee. And it's a nice little scene. Uh, and, I mean, it, it, it unfortunately pays off, you know, but not in a... There's a couple payoffs for it. Uh, but, yeah, she talks about, uh, you know, this thing with Lance and kind of paints her own pit, her viewpoint of it. Then they show another viewpoint of it. Uh, so you get some humor of uh, Donna and Lance uh, and the perspectives of reality. And uh, you get to see some of London or, uh, like, sets. I think it's London. Doctor tries to get more information. And she goes, enough of my CV. Uh, the doctor says, because something with keys, maybe. She goes, come on, let's get back to the wedding. Uh, it's not going to be pretty. She goes, you can do the explaining Martian boy. He goes, yeah, I'm not from Mars, by the way. Then we go right to her wedding reception. It's party time. There's disco. There's dancing. There's a cake. Uh, and Donna rolls in. Her Lance is dancing with the woman that was uh, sneering at the wedding. Her parents are dancing. Everybody's having a good old time, with, even though Donna's not there. She's very cross, I would say. Very, very cross. Uh, it's holiday dancing music playing. She says, uh, what did you do? Are you having the wedding reception without me? And then everybody is, is says, well, why not? It was already paid for. Uh, like, uh, they kind of give her some toot. Uh, Lance is like, where were you? Uh, it's a tense moment. Uh, and the doctor says, hi, I'm the doctor, by the way. And, uh, there's more kind con- very funny episode. Uh, uh, even Donna's mama says, mama says, uh, what am I supposed to do? And they go, where, what happened? Uh, you just disappeared. Everybody's, so she gets a little sad, but it's a fake out. Uh, she kind of plays them. And then I think there's a commercial as Donna plays them and winks at the doctor that she's super sad. Uh, then we come back. Let's see. We come back to. Uh, I have to fast forward for these commercials because I don't have it uh, an ad-free. I, I, like, I can't find it anywhere. I guess it's moving to another service, but I do have it on BBC America. So we go back to the party. It's really kicking off. Donna and Lance are dancing. Neil Hannon singing Love Don't Roll By. Uh, doctor borrows somebody's flip phone, looks up H.C. Clements, uh, puts on his thinking face, goes over to the videographer. He says, okay, what is up with this, uh, disappearing Donna? He sees that it's gold that she disappeared by. 
He says, well, that's impossible. That's like Huon Huon particles, uh, too ancient, so old, uh, doesn't exist anymore. Billions of years ago, uh, so old uh, that biodamp doesn't even work. Can't be biodamped. Then we have Action Doctor again. We see Santa bots everywhere. They're in the Manchester suite, by the way, where the wedding reception is. uh, yeah, Santa bots are everywhere. Then one of the Santa bots pulls out a Nintendo GameCube controller. I'm pretty sure that's the one. It's a controller to GameCube. It could be a 64, uh, but I think it's a GameCube controller. And uh, it's a remote control for these uh, flying ornaments. Uh, and everybody does, oh, dear. Some people do a cake dive. There's fun music, at least, but it's not good for the wedding because it ruins the wedding. The ornaments ruin the wedding reception. Uh, more Santas come in, but then the doctor totally plays them. He says, hey, by the way, don't let somebody with a sonic screwdriver get to a sonic system. And so he gives them a sonic a screwdriver, sonic blast. Uh, uh, short circuits all the RoboForm Santas. He says, hey, by the way, there's two remote controls here. And Adonis says, aren't you going to do anything? Like, what? He goes, I got to look at the big picture. Who did this? Who is that? Uh, who's uh, that? Uh, who's that? He goes, and they see the RoboForms are coming from up there in the sky. Uh, then we see projections and we hear a voice say, clever, clever, clever. Kind of a cat voice. Uh, or someone doing a cat voice, they have many uh, screens, and they have, like, a, oh, then it opens, uh, or then it goes to a commercial. So, a cat voice, kind of from the movie Cats, I didn't see that movie, but you've seen kind of some of what it looks like to have a celebrity dressed up as a cat. And that's what you could expect coming up here, uh, but uh, with uh, wax teeth. Uh, is that part? Yeah. Then we're at AC Clemens' uh, office. Uh, doctors are looking around. They have nice holiday decorations at AC Clemens. Uh, it was bought up 23 years ago by Torchwood. You know, Torchwood? No one knows it. Uh, Canary Wharf, uh, Cyber People? No. Uh, Daleks? Uh, she goes, I was in Spain. He goes, You didn't see any Daleks in Spain? She goes, I was scuba diving. He goes, Well, that was it for Torchwood, but H.C. Clement stayed in business. I didn't know. I said, Torchwood's gone. There's also a sign, Engagement is the key for business. Uh, he says, Huron's ancient. We got to figure out. He goes, It's related to the remnant of the TARDIS, the heart of the TARDIS. That's why you connected with the TARDIS. Uh, activated these things. He goes, and now I'm looking at the building plans and I see that there's a sub-basement. So we'll go to see you later. She says, no chance, Martian. Uh, Lance, get inside here with me. And then we hear the cat person, they're a cat person, like they say, the bride approaches. She's my key. Then uh, Lance, uh, Donna, and the doctor in a sub-basement with green lighting. They ride some segways around. They have fun. Uh, they get their bearings. The doctor says, we're just under the uh, Thames flood barrier. Rhapsody in blue plays. It's a secret base. Uh, and uh, somebody says, I know, I know, love. Uh, 
particle. Oh, they go into a lab. There's particle extrusion and bubbles. Uh, and the doctor says, yeah, they're extruding, extru- extruding Huron particles. I don't know if from the Thames or something. Uh, he says, this is brilliant. Uh, oh, they're manufacturing them. He makes faces, but he makes faces behind the bubbles. Uh, Lance is still trying to do, who are you? Doctor says, I'm a freelancer. Uh, so they're using the attempts to extrude stuff into liquid form. And yeah, that's what's in you, Donna. He uses them to light her up to show the resin, that Huron particles resonate. The doctor gets really excited, does some fast talking, says Shazam a few times. Shazam a few times. Because he says, well, geez, your wedding, you would have been all... Uh, You'd have had all these chemicals inside, uh, you know, endorphins, adrenaline. You're like a walking microwave. Uh, uh, that's what makes you go shazam. But the doctor says, don't worry, I'll re- reverse it. They open up lab 003, and we see Santa Robofor- or no, just Roboforms in cloaks. Uh, there's a big hole in the earth built by a laser. It goes all the way to the center of the earth. The doctor's surprised by that. Uh, then the cat is coming in through. Per- Let me get some of these. Uh, he says, geez, how far down does it go? Uh, uh, but then they hear this voice. The doctor says, oh, well, only a, uh, only a doctor talks to thin air. Who are you? Come on down and see us. It says, Hi, I'm a cat high in the sky. On a pillow, uh, floating over Christmas night. And the doctor goes, I'm not talking on the... He goes, come on, kitty cat, I want to see you. Come on down. Uh, She goes, who are you to command a cat? He goes, I'm the doctor. And she goes, prepare your best stuff, doctor, man. Because you're going to be in trouble. Then the the cat appears, and she's like doing uh, meowing. And some cat hissing. Arachnos is the name of the cat and the cat people. Uh, yeah, then, uh, he says, I can't believe it, uh, Empress of the Rachnos is who she is, uh, so she's not just any cat or Rachnos cat person, she's the Empress of the Rachnos, which is, I guess, is important, or at least for our story, it's important, uh, then she says, oh, they say, only you, she says, only me, I'm the last, of, or doctor says, you're the last of your kind, uh, they also mention the shoes called spats, uh, Lance and the bride. She calls, she says, oh, you're so feisty, this bride. Uh, cause they say the cats should take all the milk. Uh, these cats, arachnos, not regular cats, arachnos cats are going to gobble up all the, you know, the milk on earth. Uh, cause that's usually where they should go. And, uh, let's see, Lance, uh, does a double take, Lance and the bride, so feisty, the cat is just a cat, uh, like Lance sneaks up on her, uh, but then she says, Lance is funny, Lance is on my side, he loves kitty cats, uh, then we kind of learn that Lance is very impolite, uh, uh, and Lance says, you know, Donna's idea of a height of excitement is a new Pringle, uh, new flavor Pringle. And Lance says, big picture, like the doctor said, for me, is seeing all of space. Uh, that's what I want, to see the size of space. And then she says, who is this little physician? And the doctor says, well, why'd you build something 4,000 miles around, down there? 
like, uh, and then she says, anyway, doctor, you're toast. Uh, and the doctor starts buying some time in a very typical doctor fashion. And he says, we don't have to worry because the TARDIS doesn't need to go to us. Uh, when she's got Huron particles, TARDIS comes to her. And so they t- are protected by the TARDIS. The Empress is not happy. Then the doctor says, by the way, I can use this as a time machine. Molto bene. Molto bene. Donna's a little bit sad because Lance was so rude. Uh, which totally makes sense. Uh, but they go out into space 4.6 billion years ago. Sun was brand new. Uh, Earth was still dust. They needed it, uh, gravity to pull everything together. And Donna says, well, this puts my wedding in perspective. Uh, uh, some, like a nar- the first rock, uh, the gravity of the first rock pulled all the other rocks together. Still don't understand why. And Donna goes, well, that's why the Ragnos cat pillow was this, is the center of the earth. That was the first gravity rock uh, that pulled everything else in. Uh, Lance starts to glow. Is that right? Uh, oh, there's trouble. The TARDIS like, starts to get pulled back in. Yeah, because Lance is glowing. So he pulls the star- TARDIS back after the earth forms around uh, the Ragnos cat pillow. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. It pulls him back. Uh, she goes, okay, she's close. Uh, oh, the doctor and Donna, they, they come back, but they're in a hall. Doctor tries to do something. She says, what do you do? The doctor goes, I don't know. I'm making up as I go along. He's using a, a stethoscope, uh, extrapolator or something. Uh, he goes, uh, he goes, I've already dealt with the, uh, the um, what do you call them before? Yeah, you're the key particles. We got to open it. Stethoscope. Donna gets it vanishes. She she goes chases the cat down, and we go to a commercial. Uh, doctor opens the door, and a robo forms waiting for him. And then it cuts to a commercial. So very interesting article. You see, okay, so the cats, these cat beings, they're not normal cats, uh, are going to drink all the milk on Earth. So the doctor's got to put a stop to it, uh, I guess, from the center of the Earth. Uh, then they are back, Lance and Donna, together at last, the awful wedding. Uh, they're both we got their particles flowing. I guess that would, it has to do with the milk somehow. Uh, which wakes up the ki- oh, secret heart unlocks and wakes up the kitties on the pillow that will come to drink the milk and unlock it and wake up space cats and kittens. Uh, her ship comes down towards Earth because uh, she says sustenance time. Uh, uh, they're going to drink up all your milk. Uh, and she says, oh, funny little Lance, you're so impolite. The Empress does not approve. Even though I laughed at your jokes, I don't approve of them. Uh, then we see her ship, and people think it's a Christmas star with Tesla coils, uh, but it's really a milk-thieving ship. Uh, uh, the doctor goes in undercover, pretending he's a roboform, but the Empress sees right through it. She says, unmask yourself, uh, uh, doctor. I could tell you're a roboform. Uh, the doctor says, she says, you're so clever, you're busted. And the doctor goes, no, Don, I got you, swing. Then there's more comedy as Donna swings on a rope. 
And she said, he says, oh, sorry. She goes, thanks for nothing. And uh, Ragnos Emberus says, this Dr. Man amuses me, but we got to get this cat planet going. Uh, or the doctor says, I'll give you a cat planet if you don't drink all the milk on this planet. There's beings that need milk, mammals, they call them. And he goes, take that offer. I'll get you your own cat planet. And she goes, I decline. And he goes, what happens next is uh, on you then, uh, your own doing. And she says, I'll show you what happens next. And meow, uh, uh, kitty cat time. But then she says, with my roboforms first. Uh, and the doctor goes, guess what? Uh, and he puts them all to sleep. And Donna says, how'd you do that? He goes, pockets. Uh, and he pulls out the giant um, GameCube remote control. She goes, how'd you fit that in there? He goes, oh, my pockets are bigger on the inside. By the way, much bigger. Because uh, she says, my children, she she calls him a Martian. He takes out all the Christmas balls. And he does a great solution. He gets all the kitty cats wet, uh, like with a little bit of a, like a hose, spraying them. So then all the cats don't like being wet and they don't smell good. But mostly they don't like being wet. So they go to their mother cat and they say, take us back to the planet or something, you know. So she transports everybody back to their ship. Uh, and she's still after the Earth and everything on Earth. Uh, but uh, uh, they them, they uh, they go to like the doctor says and the Earth says, wouldn't it be easier if all you and your cats, we got this great place for you and your cats go. It's called the big cat house in the sky go there so she does uh and uh, then but also the doctor and donna got soaking wet so they get off the tardis back in donna's neighborhood and at first they're kind of laughing uh because they can't believe it uh can't we get can't we made, made a black back here oh i forgot they drained to the thames to get rid of all the cats uh they're wet and laughing at first. There's horns blowing. You say, geez, we drained, drained, drained of the Thames. Then they go back to Donna's. And the doctor goes, here we go, back home. Uh, I told you would be okay. And she goes, I can't believe it. I lost my job and my wedding. Uh, you know, all that in one day. Uh, what, a, what, a, what a day. Doctor, you're a number. And... Uh, she goes, well, and doctor says, yeah, sorry about that. Uh, and she goes, well, Lance was a J-E to the R to the K anyway. And doctor goes, yeah, uh, love and loss. Uh, and she goes, well, I'm soaking wet in the wedding dress. Better get inside. My family probably wondering where I'm at. We see some parents hugging the windows. Uh, he goes, you don't like Christmas, do you? She goes, nope. Uh, he goes, what about a white Christmas? And he makes a snow machine. He does this, like, uh, fireworks that are snow. Uh, and it starts snowing. And Donna laughs. Uh, doctor kicks it against the TARDIS and says, atmospheric excitation, baby. And uh, she kind of smiles, looks at him. Merry Christmas. And he says, Merry Christmas to you. And he gets back in the TARDIS, and this episode comes to a close as the TARDIS heads out. Uh, good night. Oh, actually, I got to, sorry, not good night. I got to do the uh, run through, huh? Yeah, okay, so we'll run through some facts here. Chiswick, C H I S W I C K. Chiswick, uh, his pronunciation, west of London, England. 
It's got Hogarth's house, uh, uh, the residence uh, of uh, William Hogarth, uh, Chiswick House, uh, one of Neo Palladian Villa, known as one of the finest in England, Fuller's Brewery. Uh, it's in a meander at Thames, known for competitive and recreational rowing with rowers clubs. Uh, and the finishing post for the boat race is down uh, downstream of Chiswick Bridge. It's an ancient Paris, parish in Middlesex. Agarian and fishing economy beside the river uh, had good co- communication with London, so it was a popular country routine, re- retreat and then part of the suburban growth in the 19th and 20th century. Uh, it became a part of Greater London in 1965. Uh, affluent Bedford Park, Grove Park, Gleb, Strand on the Green, Tube Stations, Chiswick Park, and Turnham Green, and Gunner, Gunnersbury, in Gunnersbury Local Tri- Triangle Local Nature Reserve. Let's see, it's uh, 15,550 square miles or 6,000 square kilometers or kilometers square. Let's see if we can see the population. 5.72 kilometers square. Oh, that's density. I don't understand that. I don't see a population list, so that's a little bit about it. Uh, and I'll link to the Wikipedia article. But yeah, it has a, it has a decent amount of stuff there. Yeah, right. a couple other things that came up in this episode. One was like Howell's Department Store, uh, which is real. It's a large department store on St. Mary Street in Cardiff, Wales. Uh, so this is a little bit different than like Doctor Who is filmed in Wales uh, or was. Uh, so, uh, you know, kind of the uses, uh, but it's real, and they were in St. Mary's anyway. Uh, History-wise, uh, James Howell was the son of a farmer. 1865, he opened a shop uh, in Hayes, Cardiff, uh, in Stewart Hall, and it, it was a drapery shop. They moved to St. Mary's Street. Uh, uh, by 1892, he had a shop that extended from Trinity Street in the east to St. Mary's in the west. Uh, the first part of the current store was built in the late 19th century, ornate facade visible on St. Mary's Street. Uh, in the 1920s, it was a neoclassical expansion. Uh, it was a unique result of this extension was that Bethany Chapel, built on the site of an earlier chapel in 1865, was absorbed, absorbed into the fabric of the building, and its frontage was incorporated into the interior and is still visible in the store today. That'd be cool. Uh, it was a family-run business managed by the family of James Howell. Uh, then in the 1900s, they formed James Howell and Company Limited. Uh, and then, yeah, they kept extending the store uh, even into the modernism of the 1960s. Uh, uh, they had a car showroom across Wharton Street uh, and other businesses. And today, the store, this is all from Wikipedia, major destination, second largest department store in Wales, uh, 150,000 square feet of selling space, uh, went under, went a big, big refurbishment, brought in new labors and like uh, labels in 2009. In 2018, oh no, announced the store would close, uh, 
but uh, they were working on keeping it open in, in night 2018. So we'll have to see. And it's been used inside and outside on Doctor Who, in Rose, uh, and other things. So that's cool. Big part of uh, Doctor Who for us. Okay, I'm not going to quote the lyrics from the song last Christmas, but last Christmas, the doctor said in this one. So I want to talk about the Paul Feig movie uh, written. Uh, uh, yeah, Emma Thompson's one of the writers. Uh, and it's based on the song uh, from uh, inspired by the music of George Michael. It stars Amelia Clark and Henry Golding. Like, talk about uh, superstars. Michelle Yeoh is also in it. And it was released last holidays. I haven't seen it. Got mixed reviews. Uh, but uh, those two leads, they said it was, the chemistry between them was amazing. It did. Uh, it was successful in the box office. And I've been told to see the movie and not learn anything more about it. So don't learn anything more about it. Trust me. I haven't seen the movie, but I trust uh, Amelia Clark and Henry Golding. So... Don't read about the movie next holiday season. Just go see it because I didn't see it last Christmas. But this Christmas, I probably will. Okay, the next person is Neil Hannon. I know sometimes it's Niall Hannon, a uh, uh, Northern Irish singer and songwriter. Uh, he was a front person of the a group of the Divine Comedy. And he writes a lot of songs for television, Father Ted, The It Crowd. And he did at least one song for this Doctor Who episode, maybe more. I'm just trying to find uh, Doctor Who, Song for Ten, Love Don't Roam. That was the one in this one. Oh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, So Long and Thanks for All the Fish. He does sound a bit like Tom Jones in, in some of the songs in a good way. So that was just something I wanted to look up. Nintendo GameCube is up next. Uh, the Nintendo GameCube, also known as just the GameCube, is a console released in 2001 and 2002. Nintendo's sixth generation successor to the Nintendo 64 uh, was around when uh, PlayStation 2 and the original Xbox came out. It was the first Nintendo console to use optical discs in the mini DVD format. Uh, couldn't play full size DVDs or CDs. It could only be used for gaming. It was limited with online gaming. You could connect a, a Game Boy Advance to it via cable, which you could play, so you could do special in-game features. It used composite video cables uh, to display the games, uh, though it did change to digital component in 2004. It said GameCube on top. I was right about the controller, so I don't know any other previous controllers, but it does look pretty similar to the remote control the doctor had. Not identical. Uh, reception was positive. The controller was praised. Uh, it had an extensive library, good games, uh, but it just didn't sell well. And when I say that, I mean it still sold 21 million units, uh, and it was discontinued when the first Wii came out. Uh, let's see, graphic hardware design, Artex, uh, let's see, development, uh, ATI, and just seeing what else we got, it discontinued, there's a lot, of, there's a lot in this Wikipedia article, storage, uh, two memory card supports for saving games, uh, learn from control, like it's other controllers, what worked and what didn't work, uh, 
uh, but it went from Nintendo 64's three-handled controller design back to a two-handled con- handlebar design. So maybe it was more like the Nintendo 64 controller. Uh, let's see. It had innovative first-party games, including for Super Mario and Zelda. The first Animal Crossing was on here. Metroid Prime, Legend of Zelda, The Wind Walker, Super Mario Sunshine, and Super Smash Bros. Melee. Also a re-release of uh, Luigi's Mansion, which uh, Nick Weiger loves that game, I think. Or at least he used to talk about it a lot. Uh, yeah, so that's a little bit about a Nintendo GameCube. Okay, when it comes to pockets, I think you want to check out uh, Articles of Interest, the podcast, uh, 99% of Visible Podcasts, uh, spinoff by Avery Truffleman. And episode number three is about pockets. came out uh, October 2nd, 2018. And you can find that in the 99PI feed in your podcast app or Articles of Interest. Uh, and you can find it, like, just listen to it. You'll, then you'll learn way more about pockets than I could tell you. And plus, it's amazing podcast. So check that out. Thames Flood Barrier. Yeah, the Thames Flood Barrier is a movable barrier system designed to prevent the floodplain of most of Greater London from being flooded by tides and storm surges from the North Sea. It's been operational since 1982. Uh, when needed, it's closed during high tide, and at low tide, it can be opened to restore the river's flow towards back towards the sea. Uh, built approximately 1.9 miles due east of the Isle of Dogs. Its uh, northern bank is in the Silvertown uh, area of Newham and New Charlton and Greenwich. Uh, you know, they've been dealing with flooding uh, since Roman times in 54. They tried to figure out how to avoid it. Uh, and they recommended it as an alternative to raising the banks, erecting a structure across the Thames that could be closed, uh, should be investigated. A large number of designs were put forward, including a viaduct uh, with gates or uh, some of the flap gates lying on the riverbed that can be floated up by compressed air, which we've talked about on other shows before. Uh, then, uh, 66, they took a look at it again, tried to figure out the costs and what could be built. Uh, but they said, we got to do something, uh, to perfect, you know, to, to, to perfect London from a storm surge, uh, especially something north of Scotland, uh, and the spring tide. So the concept of the rising sector gates was designed in 69. Uh, rotating cylinders based on the taps on a gas, like a gas cooker, like your stove uh, things. Uh, and uh, the, it was uh, designed, they tested out the hydraulics, and then they passed the Thames Barrier and Flood Prevention Act uh, to authorize construction in the 70s. Uh, and they started work in 1974, two phases, uh, Southern Piers uh, first. Uh, and then the northern piers, uh, and uh, yeah, it was a lot of work. Uh, predictions for operations, uh, yeah, it's it's really cool, a really cool piece of uh, design. 
future was uh, like it was supposed to last till 2030, but they probably didn't know about it. Uh, by mid 2000s, it was being used six to seven times a year. Uh, but even more than that, depending on the year. Uh, but they're looking at trying to do something to supersede it. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's interesting. Very interesting. And it appears in a lot of different fiction and entertainment. Now, the doctor says a Shazam in this episode. There was a movie Shazam that came out recently, but there's also a TV show uh, that I saw some reruns of. I just barely remember it. I more remember Shazam. Uh, it was a live-action TV show based on the superhero Captain Marvel, also known as Shazam. Uh, it starred Michael Gray as Billy Batson, a teenage boy who could be turned into Captain Marvel. Uh, two different actors played it when you would say Shazam. Uh, they traveled the country with a mentor uh, in a Dodge uh, motorhome looking to help people. So it's kind of procedural. Yeah, it ran from 1974 to 1976 on CBS's Saturday morning lineup. Um, and I wonder when it was broadcast, broadcast history. It was reruns up until 1980. And then it was on TV land in the 2000s. Uh, so, yeah, interesting. I never, I don't think I've seen it since, like, uh, I don't even remember. But I don't know. I just wanted to look it up. And finally, let's learn about spats. Uh, I know there's a place in Berkeley called spats, uh, but I wanted to look at this, this up. Spats was footwear that was worn uh, by a character in the show. A shortening of spatter dashes or spatter guards, a classic footwear accessory for outdoor wear covering the instep and the ankle. Spats are distinct from gaiters, which are worn over the trouser and leg as well as the shoe. Uh, spats were worn by men and less commonly women in the eight, 19th and 20th century. They fell out of frequent use in the 20s. They were made from cloth or gray or brown felt and buttoned around the ankles. Their intended practical purpose was to protect the shoes and socks from mud or rain, but were also stylish uh, at some point. Increased formality may have been the reason... Oh, increased informality was the decline of spats. Uh, uh, King George V in 1923 opened the Chelsea Flower Show with a frock coat, gray top hat, and spats. Uh, by 1926, though, the king shocked the public by wearing a black morning coat instead of a frock coat. Uh, and that was the demise of the frock coat. Uh, and then spats were left off the king in 1926, too. And it is said that this moment was observed and commented on by spectators and produced an immediate reaction. The ground beneath the bushes was littered with discarded spats. And in New York in 1936, the Associated Press observed, In recent years, well-dressed men have been discarding spats because they've become the property of rank and file. A revival of high-top shoes and cloth uppers was forecast. Uh, there's also an article from the oldie, oh, it's, it's just quoted here, Pity the Fellow Who Can't Afford Spats. That's in the uh, references on Wikipedia. And uh, that's it. Thanks, everybody, and good night.